service and it's been like two two Sundays since I've seen all of you, um, but it's great to see you all this morning. I just wanted to read a, a quick scripture to kind of set our, our hearts uh, before the sermon and before some more singing, um, but just in Philippians 4, in verse 4, it starts, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I think, you know, that's why we're here this morning. We're here to rejoice. We're here to praise God. Um, but sometimes life gets in the way during the week. And if you've had a tough week like that, today is a great time to be able to just refocus, to think about the things that are pure and lovely and noble, uh, just to think about God and the blessings. I'm excited to hear uh, Peter speak, uh, continuing in the book of Acts, and to just really uh, kind of focus in on God and get our or we start off in the right mindset, the right space. Let's bow our heads and pray for service. Uh, dear God, thank you for uh, just being able to be here with my family this morning, God, to, to worship you. Uh, I pray that you can uh, just be excited and feel worshipped by our, our singing, God. Uh, feel worshipped by uh, just our, our, our act of being together, God. Uh, just thinking about you and praising you. That you can fill up each of our hearts, God. That you can help us to to focus on you, God, and that we can carry that throughout the week. That we cannot be uh, discouraged by life, God, but that we can continue to think about you know, the spiritual things, God, and to think about you and then to draw close to you. 
Thank you for this time this morning. It's your Sunday to stand. Amen. We're going to sing Glory Be to Jesus, number 366 in the song. And by the way, if you happen to have songbooks at home, um, tucked away someplace, buried someplace, if you could drag those out, that'd be great. Uh, we, we appreciate it when people have their songbooks out and sing along, because if I'm the one supporting all the words, I don't see so well without my glasses. So. We might start making up words ourselves here, okay? <laughs> All right, amen. We'll follow you. <laughs> amen. All right, 366. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to
great to be together here this morning. Look around. Yes. This is your family. This is your community. You can actually see each other. You can reach out and touch each other. It, you know, I know we have maybe some people online, but for the most of us, we can reach out and touch another person, and it's pretty awesome. It really is great to be able to do that. Yes. You know, I've been enjoying the book of Acts and going through it. Yes. I have my card here. I don't know if you still got your card, but I, I, you know, I know that. I think the sisters did it. You know, brothers wrote on mine, so sometimes it's hard to read, but I still like everything that was written here. It's very encouraging. You know, we've been spending our time this fall really working our way through the book of Acts. And I like the Bible. I mean, that's easy, right? I like the Bible, but I'll expand on that. I like the Bible because it starts in Genesis with the creation, and it's perfect, and it's in the garden, and then there's some problems. And I really appreciate a book that actually doesn't gloss over all the problems. It makes them right up there up front. It makes me trust the Word of God that it's really true. But it's this huge arc. So the Bible arcs from perfection through a lot of challenges, and it lands in Revelation with it all coming back together with us being with God for eternity, a new heaven and a new earth. And so we're in the midst of, of the kingdom of God exploding on earth in the book of Acts. So it kicks off in Acts 2. We've, we've spent a few times in there. It's going to really begin to expand, like Jesus said. It's going to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're, today we're going to talk about, about Acts 10 and 11, which is almost to the ends of the earth. We're not quite there. That'll come in, in, uh, when we get to Antioch. Uh, and, and the book of Acts flows. So it flows, it starts off, like I said, in Jerusalem, it ends up in Rome, it ends up in the, really the seat of the global empire of the world at that time, and it goes from being a nation, a religion, a faith that's just for Jews, and to one that's for all people. And that's really the crux of what we're going to talk about today, is that it's really uh, for all people. You know, it's interesting that Luke, when he, he writes the scroll, he writes Acts, as we've talked about, and two things in there, he takes the time to repeat in its entirety. So, uh, in uh, Acts 9, which we're not talking about today, he talks about the conversion of Saul, who then is known as Paul, and, and uh, Paul then recounts that in Acts 26. So it's totally repeat. It's totally replaying. It's sort of cool, though, because in the first one, you're seeing Paul sort of in the third person, you know, that guy is getting converted. Uh, in Acts 26, you get to see it from Paul's perspective. And so I'd encourage you, when that happens, go back and read it again and just notice what Paul highlights and what differently when Luke recounts that than what Luke originally recounted. I think there's some treasures in there you'll find. We're going to find the same thing today as we go into the other place where there's a repeat in the book of Acts is in the conversion of Cornelius. So we hear it in the first person from all the players through Luke's eyes in Acts 10, and then we hear Peter recounting it to the apostles, how he viewed it happened, the fact how it happened, and we'll see that. And it's actually, it's also mentioned by Peter again in Acts 15. So he talks about this same time, a third time in the book of Acts, 
So when I, I heard that, I'm like, wow, this, this must be something that's worthy of thinking about and really digging into. And so I've spent some time the last week or two, uh, I've really gotten into using my audible copy of the Bible, and I can read the Bible, you know, on paper, and I have someone in my headset reading it to me. And so it's, you know, for me, who's easily distracted, it's through two of my senses, and so that's very helpful. And I can go through it over and over again, so I can just back it up, back it up, and then listen to it, you know, through it again. And then I was like, well, this is pretty cool. How about First and Second Peter? I mean, this is all about Peter and Peter's experience. Did that really impact his way of thinking. And so it's extra credit. You go do the, the work. I, I, ha, I did my work. I found at least five or six key passages in First Peter that I, I really believe are, are caused by this interaction that Peter had here in Acts 10. And it really changed the way he was thinking about things. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that we'll have that kind of impact today. You know, this, maybe in your Bible, I mean, it doesn't say, actually, in some Bibles, I might say this is the conversion of Cornelius. You know, so maybe you've thought about that, and there's a whole Holy Spirit implication, and it's pretty cool. But some people would say, well, it's really, no, it's more the conversion of Peter. <clears throat> so Peter changes his mind. And I would say that's true, and it, it's, it, this is not an easy decision. This comes back repeatedly in the New Testament over time, <clears throat> this issue that we're going to look at today. But I would say that ultimately, though, when you read God's word, this is about your conversion. This is about you changing your mind. This is about me changing my mind. You know, this is really, we should let the word of God impact us and really change us. And so that's my prayer today. My plan is for us to read through uh, both Acts 10 and half of Acts 11. And uh, I asked my lovely wife, I said, what happens if I run out of time? She said, well then that's okay, just let the Word of God speak. So that would be my goal today, is, as always, let the Word of God speak, and I'll throw some comments in. She's wise, much wiser than I am. I'm just a smart man for, for marrying her at an early age. So let's start off in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Grab that Bible, it's real long. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So he's an important military leader, you know, a centurion leader of a hundred, maybe. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, that his whole family is devout, that he prays regularly, that he gives generously, and that God is actually paying attention to what his prayers and what he's doing. To me, it's just convicting when I read that. I'm like, oh, am I doing that in level of, you know, is, is wow. And then he reaches out to his 
you know, I guess his soldiers and his servants, and they're also devout. Uh, and he tells them, you know, the story, look, I was praying, and an angel of the Lord came to me and told me to do this. And nobody goes, well, that's whack. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, I mean, if I did that at work, I might get that. That's pretty whack, Peter. <laughs> but but he was able to take to take those servants and trust them and say, look, here's what God's doing for me, and accept them. You just go, you know, so Java is about a, uh, an hour, a day and a half walk. You know, when I put it up in Google Maps, it's 16 hours, I think, or 12 hours in Google Maps today if you were going to walk that. So that's about what it was. And so they set off, it seems like, almost immediately. They're like, hey, come in. I want to tell you about what's going on. I need you to get on the road and start walking to, uh, to go over and get this Peter guy. So off they went, uh, continuing on in verse 9. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city... Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice said, told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice said to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the, into the house to be his guest. What struck me, invited him into Simon's, in the Tanner's house, right? <clears throat> be my guest, oh, in Simon's house, in the Tanner's house, right? But, you know, think about it. The men are approaching the house where Peter is staying. And Peter's praying about it. So God has already set into work the flow of people coming from Cornelius to him. And so just the right time, God provides a vision, you know, about eating unclean food and, you know, not calling anything unclean. So Peter is, after having that vision, and it's odd, later on when he recounts it, he tells all the apostles, he says, I was in a trance. Like again, I came in here and told you guys, you know, this morning, I was having my quiet time and I fell into a trance. You know, you go, Peter's whack, right? That's called a nap. No problem. Let's get some help for that poor guy. He needs some food. He was hungry probably too, right? But, you know, he was wondering. He was thinking about it. And so the Spirit saw me a little nudge. So the Spirit just spoke to him directly. Go downstairs. Get up first. Get up. It's not nap time. Go and do not hesitate. I have sent them. Okay. 
I guess I can do that. It's happened. It'll happen again, Peter. It's happened before. God just pokes him in the right direction. You know, and I found it interesting. They needed to be in person. You know, it wasn't like, well, can we just write a letter? Obviously, Peter knows how to write a letter and get it said. Can I just send a messenger? No, he just said no. In this this situation, God said no. You've got to go. Okay, all right, I'll go. It's only a two-day walk in these directions. So I'm just committing, you know, four days. And oh, by the way, they're they're unclean people, so I won't be able to go to the synagogue. You know, go to worship God when I get back. But let's go hear what he has to say. So, but you think about it, both Cornelius and Peter were faithful in taking the first step. So what was the next step? I don't know. Just go. So first, as Cornelius said, your best guys, go get Peter, bring him back. So he's just waiting, not knowing, for, not knowing what's going to happen. Peter, the same way. What am I supposed to do, Holy Spirit? Go. Faithful deeds, faithful actions, sometimes you just have to step out. You just have to start the first faithful step. Because faithful steps... They're God-powered. God decides when it's a faithful step. It's not people-powered. You know, it wasn't like, well, I got this great plan for, you know. No, this had not crossed either of their minds. You know, God intervened and said, go for it. <clears throat> Makes me think, what's my next faithful step? Yeah. You know, what's the opportunity that I'm going to have <clears throat> to take a faithful step with God? Let's keep reading in, uh, in uh, verse 23 there. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only here myself. While taking, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles or visit them. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Hmm. Hear that again. It's a theme, right? What's, what's this all about again? <clears throat> Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a job for Simon, who's called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately. It was good for you to come. Good of you to come. <clears throat> now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to any, everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So we'll find out later that, that Peter brought along six of the disciples from Joppa. So it's Peter, the six disciples from Joppa, and it's the uh, two servants and the soldiers. So there's somebody do my math for me. That's like ten people, right? So ten people taking a day and a half walk, and they literally, you know, boom. And so they're on their way. What did they? You think they walked in silence? I'm sure there was some conversation going on between all of them. You know, Peter, the, the, the local disciples, and then the, these these men talking as they went. Um, 
you know, Cornelius is expecting them. Well, that's a faithful next step. Yeah. Because they could have they could have gotten there and, and Peter could have said, Who are you? Yeah, no way, I'm not going. Forget it. But he was faithful. He believed that God was going to carry out sort of what the Holy Spirit had nudged him to do. So he, he, he followed through. He invited out his uh, his uh, relatives, his close friends. They're all there together waiting to hear uh, what Peter has to say. You know, Peter gets there. What's he going to do? Well, he's seen an angel more. Maybe this is another angel. I'm just going to worship you. And... Yeah, of course, Peter says, no, no, get up. I'm just, I'm just a person, just a man, just a human like you. Uh, and then he retells, well, here, Peter, here's what happened. Here's the vision I saw. Here's why I called for you. But then it really struck me. He said, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. So we're going to hear more about that in a bit. But, you know, Peter... In 1 Peter 4.11, remember I told you Peter's got influenced by some of these things? <clears throat> Peter says that uh, if anyone who speaks should speak as someone speaking the very words of God. So I guess I have two questions for myself. Is When I sit down and someone's speaking the word of God, do I take it as the very words of God? <clears throat> oh, he could have done a better job. Oh, he really isn't speaking to my situation. No, God, it's God's very words. And then conversely, when you share with someone about God, are you speaking the very words of God? This is just not an opinion or the best way to do things. This is from the scripture. This is God. This is God speaking uh, in through me, through you, when you share also the very words of God. It's incredible. Amazing that this Roman centurion was sitting there with all of his relatives, all of his close friends, waiting for God to tell him what he needed to hear. He was very eager to listen to it. Let's keep reading. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ? who is Lord of all, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews, and in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one with whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You know, it's changed. You know, God now accepts everyone from every nation that fear him and do what is right. Not saved yet. We're going to hear about that in baptism here in a little bit. But that God is willing to accept them. And you, he said, you guys, you already know that message. You've heard it. You've seen it. I mean, you live in John.
Cornelius is trying to be faithful to God. He just doesn't believe that he's... convert to Judaism. It really doesn't go well with being a Roman centurion. He's trying to please him, and yet now heard this message. You know what's happened. You know what Jesus did. He went around doing good and healing people. You know, to, to Peter and commanded him. But wait, didn't he command us? Matthew 28, to make disciples of all nations? You know, at this point, I like to think of it, we're either we're either Cornelius, that we're not yet a Christian, but I thought about my, my personal oaths and promises. You guys ever made a promise? I made one on August 8, 1981, when I stood up in the presence of many Until I die. Because, yeah. well, as long as we both shall live, so I guess if she dies, that sort of ends the deal. Not saying anything there, vice versa. <laughs> guys have a problem with that, it's okay. <laughs> and I'm serious about it. So, I, you know, I have since that day lived in such a way to fulfill as the best of my ability that promise, that hope. You know, even. You know, even to whatever, even carrying around, she's got a, you know a wounded ankle, a, you know, a sprained ankle, and a lot more. But you know, I made some other some other oaths too. You know, on on May 25th, 1983, a few years after that, when I was uh, 21 years old, something like, 20, something like that, I I raised my right hand and said that I would protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. So I was sworn in as an army officer. And I, I committed there that I was willing to die for the things that I was responsible for. Um, you know, I'm glad, I, I'm glad that commitment has expired. <clears throat> so I'm no longer on board necessarily to do that. But you know, it was a serious commitment. I was willing to fulfill the responsibility of that of that oath to not only that I was I going to do it myself, but I was in charge as we all were going to do that same thing. Four months, and I, when I did this, to the day, so on September 25th of 1983, I also, in the front of many witnesses, made the decision that Jesus is Lord. And that I died and I was raised to a new life. So again, a commitment that I made for the rest of my life. So just like my namesake, just like Peter, I too to go make disciples. I've been, commanded, I've been basically allowed to do it. You know, I've been allowed to see uh, that Jesus is Lord, that he has an impact on, on lives. I've seen in my own life. You know, I, I know, you may not know, only one of you knows me back when I before I was baptized here. So I married her, so she can tell 
And that's really what was being preached here, and we'll, we'll dig into it a bit more in a little bit. But let's continue on. There's a pretty amazing thing. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit. Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. They be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they, they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Did at Pentecost. The circumcised believers were like, oh my goodness, what's going on? We've, we didn't believe that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. We didn't believe that they, they could be disciples of Jesus. We didn't think that was going to happen. You know, it's almost like it's good that they were there. You know, one, one commentator I read said, you know, in Roman law, it takes seven people to really attest that something happened. Same way in Egyptian law. Well, how many people were there? Seven. There was six from Java and Peter. So there were seven folks there to witness this. They saw for real. And they're going to come back later and talk about it. But it was it was just amazing. You know, and Peter's like, well, I, I, I don't think Peter was astonished. You know, Peter had a little intervention by the, the Spirit back three days earlier. Sort of, and he said at the beginning of this passage, he says, you know, I know that God accepts. salvation and elsewhere. But then Peter stayed. Stayed for a few days. What do you think Peter was doing? Well, maybe the rest of Matthew 28. Maybe teaching. Now as a new convert, a new disciple of Jesus, how do I follow Jesus? You know, how do I spend some time helping them, teaching them about what it all meant? Alright. Now let's go into the, the extra credit part where Peter goes back so you've got your notes. You're going to identify anything that's a little bit different, maybe. I've already cheated some. The fact that there were six folks with them and those sorts of things. The apostle and the believer, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Wow, they heard pretty quick, right? No social media, no internet, no email, not even any really any postings, posted mail stuff. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, wait for it, criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them. In the city of Joppa praying, in a, tra in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw a four-footed earth, wild beasts, like, surely not, Lord. No way. <laughs> Nothing impure or unclean has ever 
has made clean. This happened three times, then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from the house where I was staying, the Spirit told me to have no pointing to him. These six brothers right here were with me. You know, it sounds like he brought them up from Joppa to be, you know, to testify. He had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He'll bring you a message through which you and all your house Say, that seems new. <clears throat> Remember, he kept asking, Why am I here again? Maybe it was just a, I don't know, rhetorical question, but huh? it seems like he knew it here. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them and said, He had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered that what the Lord baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gift He gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objection. So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads wow. to life. Wow. That's pretty amazing, right? To me, that's almost the whole, that's it. That really gets it all in. If you say, Okay, even Gentiles get to repent and get to find life. <clears throat> and that's personal to me because last time I checked, I'm a Gentile. <clears throat> Without this revelation, you know, I would not I'd be in the same boat at best as Cornelius. Um, you know, I, they brought a message to them that helped them to be saved. You know, the thing that really stood out to me here is that you don't have to be Jewish to be saved. And you think about Peter going, oh, so all those Gentiles, I, I, I would say before this, they were what I would call people of interest. Right? They're people of interest, you know, well, if they're one. That really to proclaim the kingdom of God to his people. And so now all of a sudden, who his people are just got a lot bigger. It really opened up. You know, that that God was giving repentance that leads to life to everybody. You know, Peter captured it in 2 Peter 3. He said, God wants everyone to come to repentance. The fact that not only do I get the opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus, but also pick up the, the command to go and tell other people that Jesus is the only way to be right with God. Jesus really is the answer. God's grace is the power. One of my favorite scriptures, Titus 2.11, says that God, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's God's forgiveness that allows me to change my hard work or my discipline, those are helpful at times, but really it's the fact that God, through Jesus, forgives me and lets me be free. It really strikes me. I think it's one thing that I'm probably most convicted by this past, this set of passages is that 
how willing God wants me to be that light. Yeah. God really wants me to have that impact. How can I take those first steps like Peter took, like Cornelius took? How can I sort of step out and just trust this is what God wants? That God wants everybody to be right with him. And, you know, the fact that God brought Cornelius and Peter together and have a relationship with him. You know, Peter, you know, is impacted and just told by the Holy Spirit, go here and do this. And he wrote later in 1 Peter 4, if you speak, just do it. You know, it's already happened. You know, Jesus just went out doing good, empowered by God's Spirit. Boom! And the Holy Spirit comes and and, you know, the rest is history. It was just taking those first steps, but it was God that really started bringing people together, connecting them with each other. Um, great words of God. And the fact that Cornelius and Peter were prepared in advance. I love that. Cornelius, there are a lot of things that happened to him. We don't know all of them. We know a few. We know he was devout. We know he... Spiritual guy, he was. He made himself available to the Holy Spirit. And Peter just—you you can't stop with his preparation. You know, three years with Jesus, bad day, a really bad day. Denies the Lord. He gets reinstated. He learned a little bit about reconciliation there. He goes. There's several other amazing things just before. The reason he's in Joppa is because he healed. Tabitha. And so he just seen the Holy Spirit God do a miraculous thing there and in bringing her back. But what about what about us? You know, think about when you became a disciple of Jesus. Was that right? I mean, I hated Christians. I wanted nothing to do with Christians. I I couldn't stand me around them. I thought they were annoying. You know, some of the, in the one or two times that Jeanette drug me to church, uh, there was songs. Like, there's songs we sing now that I like now that I hated then. I've been redeemed. I'm tired about hearing you've been redeemed. You know, I was probably the least open person that I know. You know, I felt I was a lot like Saul. When I became a Christian, Jeanette went back and told her friends who knew me before and they felt like I was Saul. Are you sure he's really a Christian? <laughs> We're not really sure. And so we actually made an extra. And I went and I, I could talk and repent and speak to the people I had been awful with because they, they, they needed to believe, you know, that I really was a disciple of Jesus. So it was really miraculous. God, God was working there. I mean, it happened to me this summer. I got an email passed. It was an 80, I think 85 year old, let's say roughly, a guy named Gene. And so Gene has started studying the Bible with some. And so he was going to be up here for a couple of weeks because his brother was very ill at the time, his twin brother. He grew up in Lincoln, which is the next town over for the, the 30 years. And he worked out in Mike's gym, which is like the, the heavy weightlifter gym, as you can tell. But I was like, 
There was another brother that I stayed in love with. A number of times working out, you know, doing massive sets of curls. With my oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had something to connect with Gene. We just talked, hey, well, you were at Mike's gym, me too, you know, and we were able to, God had prepared that 25 years ago to give us a connection, you know, and a lot of other things along the way. And it turns out Gene is now part of the, uh, one of my best friends' family groups down in Boston. And so he's really well connected. It was great to have that opportunity, but God had used me as a small piece in that. You know, and it makes me think about what, you know, Peter said about, uh, about how, you know, Paul was waters, you know, basically, but God is the one that brings about the growth. God's, we all have our own little piece to do in things. And I think, I guess what my challenge for us, for me, is that we've got to start looking to see how God has already started working. Yeah. In our own lives, in the lives of other people. And I think if, if we don't do what the Holy Spirit said, get up. Go downstairs. Don't hesitate. Right. Just just play it out. Just go as if it really is the, is truthful. It is, is the faith. And if you do that, then you're going to start to see how God really can work. Really, God really can work through me. That I like the ones that I have a hard time with, the ones that I really have an extremely hard time with. You know, really just challenge me is the core. What's where's my zeal to really love people the way God loves them? And then lastly, the thing that stood out for me was has there to support people who want to seek him. I think what Cornelius had, his friends and his family, you know, they really wanted to know God. There was Simon the Tanner, you know, who was willing to have Peter and hundreds of other people, well, maybe not, but come and stay with him. There was, you know, the apostles who really were committed. Is that what, is that what you know, is that what God said? Okay. You know, we didn't realize that, but you know, you, you really showed it to us. That's the way it ought to be. You know, First Corinthians three, we are God's co-workers. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm God's co-worker. I'm not my own. It's not my. I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur in this. I am a fellow worker with God, and so are you. We're working together in this. You know, it says that we can no longer live for ourselves in Second Corinthians five. <clears throat> As he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's pretty amazing. Think about it. To live for him, to be called like the Peter and the Cornelius brought together to bring about the truth of the new life. Let's look over in 2 Corinthians 5, and we'll use this as a thought as Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the generation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you right now, we are so grateful that we have the opportunity to be reconciled to you, to be forgiven by you, to have the blood of Jesus cover over all of our sins and give us a new life, Father, in you. We're so grateful that you're not just a giver in this ministry, but you allowed us to join in with that, that we really can, like Peter, be ministers of reconciliation, that we really have what makes a difference in this world, the truth that comes from the scripture. Thank you for loving us. Pray that as we take communion, you really help us to connect with you right now, to really just feel the love that you have for us, but most of all, that we really see with clear eyes how the Holy Spirit wants to work in us and through us. God, we love you. Just thank you for this time together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I needed that so bad. That was that was incredible. Thanks, thanks for your for just for sharing sharing the good news with us this morning. And I think for me, you know, the thing is, when I read that, I go, wait a minute, I'm one of those Gentiles. Yeah. I'm not I'm not Jewish in my background, and 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 and, and you know, it says there a few times that now you can share the good news with even those unclean people over there. Those messed up unclean people. And I I think about, you know, my own life and I go, gosh, what a gift. What a gift. It's not just for this sort of select group of people. It's, it's even, I wrote down in my own notes, even Steve gets to repent. <laughs> even Steve, you know, <laughs> Yeah, Steve I don't, we don't know about Steve Depp, but it's not incredible, guys. Even and I love the way it puts it. Even so, then God granted even the Gentiles <laughs> repentance unto life. We get, to, we get to live life for for real because of just this simple <clears throat> sacrifice that was made for us. This simple gift and. It's amazing that Peter calls it a gift a few times in there. What a what a what a what a feast! Thanks, Peter, for for just sharing and uh, just breaking it down. And I'm thinking about even just the New Testament. Like for a long time, this was sort of the locked treasure for for us us Gentile people, and we couldn't open. We didn't have the key. Yeah. And now we have this this like treasure box with the riches of God in it. And, we, and now we have the key. We can go in and unlock it and see what God has for us. And uh, what blessed people we are. What, uh, what, a, what an amazing gift for the sharing. Well, how about you? What, what kind of stood out to you in today? What, anything in particular kind of hit your, hit your heart as, uh, as Peter was, was preaching and sharing? Just going through that? I love, by the way, just kind of reading through, you know, just kind of taking time just to read through it straight. Hey, Peter, let me see I was just moved when you were talking about his promises. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about my promise to Brenda and my promise to, to God when I got mm-hmm. baptized. And that really hit me. I'd say, wow. 
wow, that's so true. You know, that, that, it, those promises changed my life, and they're still changing the course of my life. Yes. Years later, you know? mm. So. Mm. Yeah, powerful. Just keep it in those promises. Yeah, great. I'm just thinking about the fact that, you know, this whole event happened, you know, we were talking about because they, each one of them, you know, stepped out on faith. They were each, you know, God reached out to them, but then, right, you know, they took that and they, and they went out on faith. Yes. Yep. And they, and, they, and they were scared just like us. <laughs> they weren't quite sure. Yeah, Katie. Yeah, both of those, but then I really got at the end of like we're God's co-workers mm. I mean my whole philosophy at work is like let's make it a team so there's yep. no I in team so this yep. is the thing like we have God at the head of the table and we get to be a co-worker with him that's just right. so exciting mm. it is it's kind of amazing God sees us that way that we get to we get to walk alongside him and you know do good it's powerful yeah yeah, I think adding to that, I think um, so often Christians that are sharing their faith come across as judgmental. Mm-hmm. And Christians are seen by society as a judgmental person. But, I mean, literally it's like, no, I'm, I'm the messenger of reconciliation. <laughs> like, who cares what you've done? Right. You reconcile. And, like, how does that... Yeah, that's just that's a super encouraging message. And like we should be, we should be praised by those around us. Mm. We we're truly heralding that message. Heralding that message. Yeah, reminds me of that generosity principle we talked about a few weeks ago. That God starts that. He He gives He gives generously without finding fault. And He's not judging. He's not condemning. He's giving. And it's such an expression that that uh, you know we read about this morning. It's great. You know, I, I think it's awesome to see that we can have our notions of what it means to be a Christian, then God steps in and challenges that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but I also love all of these people, and I'm going to change your mind. And, you know, sometimes it causes, it, we should take the time to step back and go, why do I believe this? Yeah. You know, what is God really saying in these situations mm-hmm. that it's supposed to teach me? And then and then apply it, you know. Um, to, to have somebody who's a hero of faith like Peter to be told, you need to change your mind. You don't know my heart and my mind truly. And yes. then it changes Peter's heart. Yeah. I just love seeing that. I love seeing people's hearts change. Yes, true. Yeah. I just love that point that you made along those lines. You know, this is about my conversion. Let the word change my life. Right. That was interesting too how, how many times does God go to Peter? In that, in that vision, three times. Like, are you sure? Right. But I wonder too if he's reminding him of the root. Yeah. Because Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me? And it's kind of like that theme. Right. Coming back to go, Hey, Peter, you know, let's put these worlds together. Who you are, who I am. It's just incredible. Yeah. So funny, I asked you to go, Why did you do it three times? Right. Now I know. <laughs> For granted, mm-hmm. and um, thinking thinking back to you know being a Gentile, and just sort of thinking about what it feels like to have no hope. And you know, I like I see people, I take care of people, I work with people, and I'm like, 
know oh and just to feel that weight and then but also have that gratitude of wow i get to have hope yeah um, so, so just a really good reminder not to take hope for granted so true right. steve sent an article a couple weeks ago on sort of the mental emotional physical state of a lot of vermont and some of the stats there and it was actually kind of overwhelming that, that all the stats just how much hopelessness Second chance, and I think it's 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 times like it's reading things like this because this is an epic EPOC moment in history. You know, this is an epic moment, EPOC and, uh, and 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 we're reading about it, and, it's, and it can become so familiar to us that we're not just blown away by it all over again. But yeah, what hope? Hope even for the Gentiles, even for those people over there. I think uh, that's us. We're those people over there. And uh, wow, what a what a what a what an honor, what a blessing. And I think as part of this is just us looking at the scriptures differently. And I wrote a little test, New Testament. I got some New Testaments back there that you know anyone can take if you want. Guys, is there anything more valuable on the whole face of the earth than this? I mean, if I had if I had a billion dollar bill up here on the on the on the podium. It wouldn't even be close to the value of this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's good news in here for, for eternity. And, and God is reaching out to us. And so let's, let's, let's respond. I, I read a quote this morning that says, Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I thought, wow, that's so true. Everything I want, there's always fear between me and that. And really going for it. And stepping out. And, and if I'm all about sort of avoiding that fear, I never get to that. Wow. But if I'm willing to kind of face into it, as we see Peter doing, three times needing to be uh, you know, convinced and persuaded, there was, there, was, there was us. Isn't that crazy? There was us on the other side of that fear he was facing. Like we never would have heard the good news if it wasn't for what we read this morning. Because we're Gentiles. got some announcements. They aren't quite as cool as the uh, everything we just heard, but, but uh, uh, I've got some announcements for us. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to be actually, our, our plans are changing a little bit. You know, uh, you know, in 10 days or so, it's Thanksgiving, guys. Isn't that crazy? Six months, I mean, six weeks left in the year. Right? That's kind of where I'm at. I'm like confused about time right now. But um, so next Sunday, we're going to have a Thanksgiving feast together. It's going to be over at uh, the Shelburne Gym, and the time starts it's going to be a little different. It's going to be 11 o'clock, and we're going to have a short communion service, and then we're going to have a time in the gym, a time of feasting on potluck and the different things that people are bringing. And did, you want, did you want to uh, say anything about that, Peter, or planning it? So, we're really excited. Like, everybody needs to participate in this. Yes. So Katie's going to send out the sign-up sheets. Um, we're asking people to register. So there's going to be slots for everybody who's participated in eating, feasting, 
So if we could sign up for that, and we'll have a great time feasting on some fun and some food and some fun. And then the fun, and then also we've got a kind of tell us a little bit about that. Sure, we're going to have it at the Holy Parish Family Hall in Essex, which is from five to eight. And we're also going to see if we can donate some gifts to the family room. So I'll send out an email um, to detail more if it's going to be toys or if it's going to be kitchen supplies. But it'll be nice if the family will chip it in um, so we can give. Awesome. Do you have some needs? Shortly as well. I don't want to over overwhelm you with counter items. And I did want to just make a quick, a quick. Kids to help them really grow up spiritually, to help them be impacted by faith, hope, and love. And I wanted to let you know that that group. Ministry. Some have asked about that a little bit, and I think there's an incredible opportunity that we have as a small, as a smaller community. Is that we're not just going to to another room, right? As we can hear them actually right now, you know, in the back. Which is the most important thing. And we get a chance to interact with them. It's so cool looking back. You know, there's Hero who's sitting in the back of Oberstein. You know what's going on back there. But these these kids are, are growing up sort of in in this sort of culture. Influence these kids for good. Isn't it interesting that Peter's message is different than his message was to the Jews in Acts? We see him taking that same message that has the same elements of Jesus being the light, of reconciliation being that connection to life, the opportunity to repent, and also the, the, the community being that love connection to God and to one another. And it's incredible that, that Peter kind of summed it all up when he said, oh yeah, Jesus went around doing good. And isn't that sort of a great definition of church? Yeah. Isn't that a great definition of Christian life. Isn't that a great definition of evangelism? Oh, what do we do? We just go around doing good. <laughs> we just go around healing people through the power of the devil. And isn't that what we need the most right now in our society? Is people you know, uh, uh, care, genuine love in their home last week or a couple of weeks, a few weeks back, but 
they're already, you know, they had they give out a bunch of invitations for a big bonfire over their place. And they're just trying to love their neighbors as themselves. And I think we have an incredible opportunity for all kids, incredible opportunity, opportunity to do that out in our neighborhood. But let's be described that way. Going around doing good. I have one last announcement. And that's that today on the calendar is our special missions contribution. I don't know if you remember that or if you knew that. But, um, but uh, you know, there's so many stories in this room of people giving generously to the work. You know, when I was 18 years old, I was in a yellow Jeep traveling around the world, traveling around the U.S., living in youth hostels, living out of the back of my Jeep, eating rice cakes, trying to figure it all out. And I went from job to job. I worked at Disney World. I worked at a ranch out in Colorado. I was at, in, in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. You know, it's kind of like this 18-year-old out there trying to sort of find out. Well, I found him in, at a Bible talk in Boulder, Colorado. Right, right in God's country, Colorado. I wandered in through some friends that had actually moved to Boulder and actually become Christians. And so they had some good news that they needed to share with me. And I was kind of like the Ethiopian guy. I went in, and just like he said in there, he said, Hey, uh, what's going on here? I don't really understand. And then it says they began with that very passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. That's what they did for me. Two and a half days later, I was baptized in Christ. Wow. Changed my life. And I've been, I've been trying to walk with God. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I was there, guys, <clears throat> that they said, oh, yeah, I was trying to figure out where to go to college. And I got accepted to Boston University, to USC, and somewhere else I can't remember. Where else? Maybe I can go to L.A. Maybe that would be a good place, but it seemed very far away. But I heard about this church in Boston who had this thing called the Hawaiian Punch Can Ministry. And basically what it was, in Boston, they People would set it at a Hawaiian punch can, which is an old can that was about this size. They would maybe decorate it with stuff going on around the world, and they would say, "Hey, how would you like to how would you like to financially support the team that's going to be going out to Lagos, Nigeria, or the team that's going to be going out to Tokyo, the team that's going to be in these different places?" And I just thought, as an 18 year old who wanted to change the world and live a life of impact. I thought, oh, that sounds so cool. And so there was a big part of me making the decision to go to Boston University. And so I went to BU, and I started to get trained to be a missionary. And that was basically just through to be an assistant Bible talk leader as a freshman. I was so excited to become an assistant Bible talk leader with Jim Blau in my Bible talk as a freshman at Boston University. It just started... Oh, it just started feeding this fire in me to change the world. That while my little life, God heard me calling out to him when I'm traveling around in my Jeep. He heard me. He responded to me. He says, said, no, Steve, i got great plans for you. You're going to go around the world. And if I had known what he had planned for me at that time, it would have blown my mind. But I kind of see it a little bit. I kind of feel like God has a big vision for my life. And I want to take hold of that. And a lot of it was... It, it, it came true for me as I went to places like as I went to places like uh, Warren Towers at Boston University with good news. I'm going in there sharing my faith. It didn't have to be in, in another country. 
It was right there in the dorm room next to me. That was like incredible. That was like the Bible coming true, coming to life. And then on and on. You guys know a lot about our Went on a mission team to, uh, to, to Japan. Seen that church. It's very simple. It's just Jesus went around doing good. And it's news, great joy for just our little group or just a little race, you know, one little race. No. It's good news of great joy. For even everything. It's incredible. And so we get to share in that financially. And what we want to really encourage people to do, we kind of have this idea of, hey, let's give 10 times over the contribution. And that's just kind of a little bit of a guide. If you give less than that, it's fine. If you give more than that, that's fine. But it's more of just saying, hey, this is taking the gospel to other places, it takes sacrifice. It takes people being willing to get on to get out of their comfort zone and go over to the neighbor next door and go, <laughs> what's your name? And that takes gut, doesn't it? I wanted to start a Bible talk in our home, in our apartment, because there's so many people at over Owen Mills that we don't know yet. We kind of pass them in the hall, we say hi. So we're going to start a Bible study in our home. And it's just a simple thing. That changed my life. I know it changed a lot of your lives. And it's not hard to do. You should say, hey, come on over. It's pie night. We're going to have a Bible study. Come on over. It's hot wing night. We're going to, we're going to study the Bible and eat hot wings together. Come on over and it's make your own Sunday night. And we're going to, you know, whatever it might be. But you go over and you have people come over. And, I, you know, you don't really know what to leave, but it's as easy as this. Just kind of take your Bible. Open it up. Read a picture. Read this passage. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Hmm. And what do you think that means for you? Here we go. <laughs> now we just started Bible. <laughs> there you go. And I didn't even need to prepare. I just had my Bible. I just opened it up. Read from Proverbs. It's that easy. And I'll tell you, that passage right there, for example, it speaks to us, doesn't it? We don't need to be prepared. Like, was Peter, how prepared was Peter when he walks into the, to, to Cornelius' place? It's like, what? Why did he just speak in the very words of God? And so, it's an incredible thing when we do that in our own home, and we make that sacrifice to reach out to our neighbors, and we see God work through it, Changes people, but you know what is most us. Yeah. It blows our minds that God could use even Steve Schaff to help somebody else know God. Wow! Like he says, you know, blows our minds. So here's the thing: I've got a few. Uh, you can slip back in the back table. I've got some New Testaments back there. Take one if you want to read it yourself, or take it if you want to, to give it to somebody else. I got some maps back there of our incredible state of Vermont. Vermont Dreaming. We've, we've looked at this at some of the prayer, 24 hour prayer chains we've had. I've got a, a list back there of 70.
Want to go to Manchester, I think it is. Is that right? So they went to train with you and guys our life teams is so that we can kind of go get this vision that wait a minute, if I go to, to another town, it doesn't matter if it's doesn't matter if it's Shelburne, it doesn't matter it's Lagos, Nigeria. But if I go there with a little bit of a little bit of faith, I go there with this, and I read Proverbs 28, verse 19. I'll tell you, people in Lagos, Nigeria are struggling with this just as much as they are here. You go there and you take that to your neighbor, or you take that to Lagos, or you take that to Where do you want to go in Vermont? With that, with that little simple seed of that's what's going to change Vermont. A lot of people we're giving a lot of our funds towards right now is training us in this vision and in this idea and this good news of how we can actually go and be the Peter in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're giving towards. And so as we give in our special missions. And it's not just today. It's we want to just kind of set aside between now and the end of the year to give what we can, give generously, give a little, a little bit where it hurts, where you're kind of going, oh, okay, I felt that one a little bit. And I'm giving towards something that's a priority in my life, something that I'm committed to, like Peter talked about. And God is pleased with that. It doesn't really matter the amount. It really more matters sort of the heart that you're, you're giving it with. Yeah. And so we've got back there, got um, Love One Another, Building Authentic Community, uh, little worksheets back there. And they've also put some packets back there called Good News 101. And where this starts is in Acts 2. It talks about how to share the three parts of good news on Jesus, reconciliation, community. It's what everyone's longing for. Light and life and love. It's what everyone's searching for. We sit down and talk to someone about that. Well, that's where this starts. It starts Good News 101, a little outline from the book of Acts, chapter 2, and then it goes right into how do you study the Bible about light, about Jesus? And it talks about, you know, starting in the book of John, starting in one of the Gospels. And I really want to encourage us to take one of these, these packets, not because this is a manual that we all have to go through, but because it's, it's helpful group of studies to be able to go, okay, what am I going to talk about today? And you can be able to go, it talks about the, you know, the cross, it talks about the, the, the account of the crucifixion. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. Yeah. So that's for, for all of us if, if, we want to, if we want to take that um, on our way out. Anyway, I think my part was longer than Peter's. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to have one final song. And and then we've got another little special song after the final song. Love you guys. Let's go ahead and stand up. Close things out. Amen. We're going to sing song 731 soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. We are